How are you? Welcome and welcome back. You've been uh, coming to Sunridge for a week, five weeks, five years, 50 years. It's been 50 years. You have to go to counseling because we haven't been around that long. You're only imagining that. But uh, if you're new here, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'd love to invite you to the welcome brunch that Becky was talking about earlier. I love meeting new people at our church. So if you're on the bubble, it's like, ah, is that going to be weird? It's not that weird, I promise. I'm there, but it's not that weird. And we just love to meet you. A few of our staffers drop in and say hello. It doesn't, it doesn't take a, an hour even, and you get fed in that process. So we'd love to have you there. And then I want to help all the guys out today, right now. So guys, listen up. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. That's a hint. And uh, not just for the guys, but we always have just a fantastic uh, service for moms and for women on that day. Uh, we are going to be launching a brand new series we're calling Lies We Believe. And on Mother's Day, we're going to be talking about this lie that we believe, that Superwoman is real. And uh, so I hope that you come back for that. Uh, you know, some things we say are more important than others. And the, the significance of our words is often tied to the situation we find ourselves in or to whom we're saying it. For instance, uh, the words that you say to your children, that very first child probably, that you take to kindergarten and you leave them at the school for the first time, you probably said something pretty important that was important to you anyway. And uh, at the other end of uh, raising kids, you know, you say something to your first child that you leave for the first time on a campus somewhere across the country, and you leave them in that world, and you say some pretty important things. And I bet you, some of you, uh, based on your social media, you've been getting, some of those kids have been graduating. So congratulations to all of our uh, college grads that uh, I've been seeing out there, and I bet you even on graduation day, you say something that really means a lot to you. It's, a, it's just such a milestone in a person's life, uh, and then you whisper to your wife, you know, and look, we don't have to pay tuition anymore. So that's a really important thing that we say as well. Uh, sometimes uh, we're, uh, I've, I've married three daughters, and you know, that day, even leading up to the day, there's some pretty important things that you say. And I've had some dear friends go through divorce. And in those moments, on the other side of something so beautiful, uh, we have important things to say. So our words can mean more at certain times than others. And uh, the reason why I introduce our message with that thought is that you know, we're, in the, we're wrapping up a series today that we call Jesus on Jesus, where we've been looking at what Jesus had to say about himself, uh, specifically the I am statements uh, found in John's gospel. So all of these are obviously important. But I believe it's possible, you, you might not agree with me, but of all the things that Jesus said, this might be one of the most important things that he said. It's found in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine. I am the vine. Now, what makes this statement so important in comparison to others is, again, the same reason it does for us today. The situation is that um, in John 13, uh, the Last Supper has occurred. Judas is starting to act on the thing that's been rumbling in his 
guts for a long time to betray Jesus, and he starts to do that. And then following that, by John 18, Jesus is arrested and obviously uh, unfairly tried and convicted. And uh, so it's in the middle of that that Jesus says, I'm the vine. It's also uh, significant to whom he says it, which these are his closest uh, companions, and they're, they're more than friends. They, they are his disciples, which means that Jesus has invested three years of his life in these guys, and they're all he has. He's depending on them following through. And it's important because of why he's saying it, because these men are about to go through the biggest challenge in their lives. Not, and so, very, very important words. Important to them. And I would like to propose, as we get started today, that important to us as well. Um, I'd like to think that all of my messages are really important. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mom and Cindy. Uh, I'd like to think that, but... I'd like to also be honest with you and say that I think this might be one of the most important things I could say to you, whether you're, whether you're religious or not. So if that matters to you, I hope that it, you'll take it with, with that weight. Uh, what Jesus has to say is found in John's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you want to remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you, and this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I am the vine. Today, I'd like to break my talk into four parts just so you can track with me. First of all, I want to talk about vines and wines. I want to talk a little bit about fruit. Then I want to talk about fights with Cindy. And then I want to talk about the most important thing that I think I could say to a church or to someone even who is exploring faith. So let's talk about vines and wines. First of all, I want to let you know, it's like I don't know that much about wine. I, I knew even less when I moved to this valley in 1989. There were no wineries or anything. And if you'd asked me at that time, you know, what do you know about wine? I'd know that there were two colors. It was like red and white. And like, I might even tongue-in-cheek say, well, I know what my favorite wine is. It's the same as Fred Sanford's. I like Champipple, which Champipple is a mixture of champagne and ripple. And you have to be from where I'm from at that time to even know what Ripple is. Some of you, some people from the first service said, I have no idea what Ripple is. It's cheap wine. And so it's a great joke, but it goes over anybody under 50, I think. So, 
But since I moved here, because they built so many wineries, I've just, just naturally, being in proximity to the wine industry, I've learned some things about wine and vines and how they grow. And so I want to let you know that, like, for the people that Jesus is talking to, they totally understand what he's saying. They're, they're very familiar with vines and wines. And uh, so wine was a part of their daily, uh, it, it was a very important beverage. And many of them, I mean, people just had vineyards. And they needed to drink wine in many cases because the water was bad. And uh, some just liked it. So, uh, but everyone knew what he was talking about. Some even had firsthand experience in that they, they had a small vineyard even on their property. So when Jesus talks about the fruit of the vine, they're, they're super familiar uh, with what he's saying in this often used metaphor in the New Testament. So he begins in verse 1 by saying this about vines and wines, I am the true vine. Now true here means the original or the source. And you know that vine is the key to what's going to grow. So when he says, I am the true vine, he's saying something that they completely understand. Because uh, when I was getting ready for this message, I reached out to some of the people that I know in this community. Some go to Sunridge that are in the wine industry. And uh, they, I learned a lot by asking them questions. But one of the things I learned is that the choice of wine stock is the most important choice a winery owner makes. It's like you have to pick the right wine. If, if you expect to have this fruit, you have to start with the right wine stock. And then you have to consider, you know, the growing conditions and the climate and everything so that it, it can thrive in that area. You know, as branches in God's vineyard, we are connected or bear fruit like the vine that we are connected with. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians in, five, in chapter 522, you, you, you might know this passage, but the fruit of the Spirit, he says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Some of you have memorized this, and most of us think of this as a list of things to work on. But really, what Paul is saying here is like, this is a, this is a wine stock to replicate. These identifying characteristics of this wine stock is describing who Jesus is. Then he ends this dialogue in verse 8 with, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, if you put all this together, what Jesus is saying is, I am the true wine stock. And if you're connected to me, what you produce is going to look very much like me. You see, Sometimes, as Christians, we, we start to think of our fruitfulness in this way. We think about being productive, uh, you know, uh, being knowledgeable or talented or expressive or having a moral lifestyle or giving family devotions really well. It's like these are all good things. But when Jesus is talking to the disciples, what he's saying, and this is in your notes, is that fruitfulness means Christ-likeness. Fruitfulness means Christ-likeness. If you are connected to the true wine stock, the fruit that you bear is replicating that original 
stock. So in other words, what it means to grow as a Christian is to replicate Jesus. The, the pursuit then of a Christian, there are many wonderful things. But in the end, our goal is to be transformed into more and more like Jesus. Sometimes we get sidetracked. And other things start to become more important than that. Or these things that we do, we really need to ask ourselves, is this making me more like Jesus? Because that is what God is after in us. So next up, let's talk a little bit about fruit. I don't know if you noticed, but in this dialogue, Jesus talks about four conditions of fruit. He talks about no fruit, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. I'll show it to you. John 15, 1. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then in verse 8, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. So notice here that Jesus is acknowledging that there isn't just a variety of fruit that God is looking for. But God is also looking for a quantity of fruit. And it, for most of us, we're, we're like, we're in, we're, we kind of move back and forth in like conditions of fruitfulness. Sometimes we're not fruitful at all. Sometimes we have a little fruit. Sometimes we have more fruit. And other times we're bearing much fruit. And in the Christian community, we have an unhealthy debate about that in that we tend to pick one or the other. We tend to pick quantity of fruit or quality of fruit. And I want you to see that Jesus is saying both are important here. You see, if you have a discipleship bias, you think the fruit, man, it's like it's got to be this perfect fruit. And so, but that is not in contradiction to having quantity of fruit. They're not opposed to one another. They're related to each other. It's one of the reasons I love our mission statement here at Sunridge, which is helping people find and follow Jesus. The gardener is looking for a quantity of Christ-likeness. Every wine grower or gardener and even our Heavenly Father wants as much quality fruit as possible. See, God is glorified when we bear much fruit. Which brings me to fights with my wife. There's a fight that Cindy and I have about every two years um, because we have our trees trimmed about every two years at our house. And so I see tree trimming as a necessary and healthy thing for the tree, and Cindy sees it as butchering them. And then when we get done, it looks like all of our trees have a bad haircut, says it every time. And so when... Uh, we gear up to get our trees trimmed, 
we start fighting. So we, we fight before we get our trees trimmed, when we just start talking about it. We fight while they're trimming them, just looking out the window and you know, giving me feedback on what they're doing to our trees. And then we fight after the trees have all been trimmed. What does that have to do with this passage? Well, I want to show you in John 15, 2, Jesus says that the gardener cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So can you see now how I've been right all these years? (laughs) That's not the point. You see, pruning is the process that God uses to increase our fruitfulness. Pruning is the process that God uses to increase our fruitfulness. And it'd be easy to say, with some amount of fruit in my life, some amount of Christ-likeness, that there's fruit. What's the big deal? Leave it alone. But the gardener is not after just a little bit of fruit. One of the people that I reached out to Uh, when I was getting ready for this message, uh, goes to Sunridge. Uh, Her name is May Laura, and she is on the the board for the Balloon and Wine Festival here in the Temecula Valley. And she sent me this copy. I'm going to put it on the screens here for you. After choosing the wine stock, the most important thing is making sure they're pruned correctly. It's very important for new growth. If not for pruning, the vines would run rampant without control, and canes would only produce fruit once. The pruner or gardener needs to know which are the best canes to allow for new shoots. Now, in case you're lost in the metaphor, what is happening here in Jesus' story is that he's saying that we're like a vine, and God is the gardener. And there are occasions where he cuts things back on us so that we can bear more fruit. There are some things in our lives that, for whatever reason, it could uh, be sin, it could be self, it could be stubbornness, and any other thing. That God, in order for Christ to be more formed in us, he has to trim that back. And we feel that as pain. I, I don't think plants feel pain. I'm, you know, if you disagree with me, that's okay. Um, but people do. And when we feel loss or when, when something gets cut out of our lives, that, that feels like a loss. And sometimes um, God is doing that or allowing it to happen toward the end that we can be who we're designed to be and that we can bear abundant, sweet, and lasting fruit. Sometimes it feels like God uses pruning shears and snips away and other times it feels like he uses loppers and takes bigger hunks and honestly, sometimes it feels like a chainsaw, doesn't it? Can anyone relate? God allows things Sometimes God brings things in order to make us more like Jesus. And that brings us to the most important thing that I think we could say today. And it's this. It's found in John 15, 4. These are not my words. They're Jesus' words. 
remain in me. Remain in me. So if you're a person you're looking for the takeaway or the thing to do, this is it. Remain in me. And I want you to notice in this entire dialogue, there's only one command. To remain in Jesus. Everything else that Jesus talks about is the product of remaining in him. What does it mean to remain in Jesus? Some of your Bibles may say abide in Jesus. Some may say stick with. But the the metaphor serves us better than just trying to define the word. You can see how a, a branch has to be connected to the main vine in order for it to produce fruit. And so vital to that, Jesus even says that it's his words that prune us back and it's his words that feed us. Uh, You're clean through my words, verse 3. It's it's fundamentally, indispensably, irreplaceably important that we remain connected to Jesus. Being connected to Jesus produces fruit. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Remain in me and you'll bear fruit. I, I don't know, have you ever driven by a vineyard and seen a branch trying to push out a fruit, a grape? It's like, it's, is it bearing down, going like, oh, I gotta work harder to get that fruit out. I know it's kind of weird to talk about it like, but I think about these things, so I want to share them with you. Boom, and all of a sudden it pops out. But isn't it easy, like in your, like in your pursuit of Christ-likeness, like to just try to grind it out and try to like, oh man, I just got to work harder at this. I, I'm going to get on top of this. And in this metaphor, Jesus is saying, if you're connected to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear fruit in you. You can't stop it. Haven't you seen that in your own life? I mean, if you are connected to Jesus, and by that I mean to his words, are you reading, are you spending time in the Gospels and look at the things he said and the way he lived and, and just like letting God fill you up through that? Are you, are you like winding your branches around other vines as happens in a wine. You know, like, uh, one branch doesn't just grow all in itself. They all entwine together and, and support one another. It's like, are you connected to God's people in a vital and irreplaceable way? Are you allowing Jesus to fill you up? Because when he does that, when you let him do that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become like Jesus. Um, how life-giving is it to you? When you're living that way, when there's all the stress in your life and uh, you're, you're facing the challenges that come, how different do you wake up? What's your perspective of life? Is it different when you're connected to Jesus, when you're remaining in him? It is. And, you know, I, I think that's true even of, of unreligious people. I'm not just talking to Christians. It's, um, feel like most of us want the same thing, whether you're religious or not. We, we all want the same things. We, we want love. 
in our lives. We want to be surrounded by people that love us. We want to be able to love authentically back. We want to have a sense that our lives have meaning and purpose. And not just us, but we want others. We want to see that reflected back and, and that others believe that our lives are important. And, you know, Jesus says here that the answer to that, the way to find that, is in him. And maybe you're not religious. Maybe, you, you know, church is totally new to you, but you've, you know, like, you're here. And I would just say, be willing to explore that. If what you're doing isn't giving you the life that you thought that you wanted, maybe you need to connect to Jesus. The opposite is also true. If being connected to Jesus produces fruit, then being disconnected from Jesus produces nothing. Verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. I mean, not in your, in your wildest imagination can you imagine that if you cut a branch off, that it would continue to bear fruit, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. And there are varying levels of how we can do that. We can totally separate ourselves from God and the people of God. And then somehow we expect our lives to be fruitful. Sometimes we allow nicks. You know, we, we'll just accept a little less. We'll constrict a little, you know, a little less of what God is doing in our lives. And we'll kind of like just kind of push back at God. And then we wonder why we don't have full and abundant fruit. Sometimes we let things grow up all around us and, and kind of like starve what Jesus is trying to do in our lives and, and all these other things that seem so important, and then we end up fruitless. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I have this mental picture. I don't know if you can track with me, but, you know, you see vineyards that have been, like, let go. And... There are all these dried and desiccated canes that are like still on the wire or whatever they use to support it. And they just represent what used to be. I don't know about you, but like if you, if, if you look back at your, if you're looking at your life right now and you're seeing like a bunch of old canes, oh, that's just like symbolic. It's representative of the fruitfulness you used to have. Yeah, you did something. God worked in you at that time. And, and now you're just kind of like a dried up twig, if you're honest about it. The only way to live a fruitful life is to be connected to Jesus. Remain in me. Hey, Christian, if you're going to be following Jesus... 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if you're going to wake up tomorrow and sense that God has something for you, you know where that's going to come from? It's going to come from Jesus. And, you know, you can do everything else. You can chase other things. You can chase all kinds of religious activities. You can chase only knowledge. You can chase service. 
You can chase worship. You can chase many things, experiences. But if you're not chasing after your connection with Jesus, you're going to end up dried up and desiccated and fruitless. And hey, unreligious person that's here today, the things that you're looking for, the life of like having a sense of purpose, of being surrounded by the things that really most, of, that you most value, they're found in Jesus. Because human beings are made to be connected to Jesus Christ. And any substitute, in the end, it might feel good now, but in the end, it's not going to be satisfying. If you're not religious or you, you're far from God right now, I, I want to just challenge you. Try it. If you're religious, I would say, try it. If there's something missing in your walk and you're feeling kind of dried up, and it's like, I just want to like point you back to Jesus, where he said, remain in me. You know, we've been doing this series called Jesus on Jesus, and what Jesus has been saying over and over again is, I'm the answer. You're looking to find your way, I'm the light. You need guidance in your life, I'm the good shepherd. You want something to fill you up and sustain you, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You, you want that thing that's dead in you to come alive again, I'm the resurre resurrection. And you want to see life live the way that we are made to live it, I'm the vine. Let's pray.